Oh yeah. Canceled too soon. A podcast. Podcast. About TV. Television shows. That were. That were very, very short. Canceled too soon. One season or less. Oh yeah. This week on Canceled Too Soon. Birds of Prey. Legend tells of a caped crusader, Batman, guardian of New Gotham, and his one true love, Catwoman, the queen of the criminal underworld. Their passion left behind something extraordinary. A daughter, Huntress. Half metahuman, she has taken up her father's mantle and, under the cover of night, fights to protect the innocent and helpless. Joining her in this struggle... Oracle, who was once Batman's protege, Batgirl. She was caught in the crossfire of the war between Batman and Joker. Now she fights crime a different way. A master of the cyber realms and mentor and trainer to heroes. Together they have taken in a young runaway, Dinah. A metahuman herself with powers to open hidden doors to the mind. Powers that she is only beginning to explore. Together, these three are the protectors of New Gotham, the Birds of Prey. My name is Alfred Pennyworth, and this is their story. I'm Andy Rooney. <laughs> no, all, all of this and Andy Rooney tonight on Birds of Prey. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Cancel Too Soon, the <laughs> show where we review uh, television series that lasted one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. And uh, this of, week... Of, of the B-Movies podcast from Whence We Hail. From Whence We Hail. And uh, this week we are, we are tackling the show yeah. that uh, was one of our most requested shows. Uh, right up there. One of them, if not the most requested show. Um, it's Birds of Prey. Birds of Prey. Uh, Birds of Prey, to give it a brief overview, uh, was a series that ran... Uh, from I have its dates. Uh, 2002 <laughs> no, uh, to 2003. October 9th, 2002 to February 19th, 2003. Lasted Thir- one full season. Uh, well, uh, they all they, a short season though. Thirteen episodes. Thirteen episodes, but they did all air. Uh, yeah. There, it wasn't one of those one of those great DVD box sets you see in Best Buy that says including unaired episodes. If it's as if that's a selling yeah. Ooh, point. Exciting! Yeah, ooh, it was exciting. so good. It had unaired episodes. <laughs> too too good for a whole season. Um, yeah. Uh, it's it was a. St- Stop gap uh, between Batman and Robin, which came out in 1997, mm-hmm. uh, and Batman Begins, which came out in 2005. And yeah. even there though there hadn't been any live action Batman stuff, there've been a lot of cartoons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this was we did, we we didn't have a Batman TV show, like a live yeah. action TV show, but we did have Birds of Prey. Uh, that was only an eight year period between the two Batman films. It seemed like forever. It seemed like forever. If you were there yeah. for it, it seemed like ages and ages and ages well, because, because everybody hated Batman and Robin, and he was sort of on the outs for well, for a while. And we didn't know uh, we didn't know mm-hmm. whether or not the franchise could be saved because Batman and Robin was just such a turd. It was yeah, a it was bad really, movie. Really, it's, really notorious. It, even if you enjoy its badness, it's bad. Um, it's, and well, and more importantly, there was the the studio didn't know what they were going to do with the character, so they just sort of set it aside but they mm-hmm. were sitting on a gold mine the cartoons i think were still doing well i don't yeah, know there the, were a few around i don't know the years on batman beyond uh batman beyond but i was, think it might have been during this period eh, a little bit maybe, before maybe this it was late 90s batman was still uh, appearing on justice league unlimited i think this is around the time of the batman which wasn't very good no i, I don't no, have all the the batman didn't come out until batman begins oh okay that, that was that was sort well, of in any case there was some batman but, uh, on tv but this is the live action anyway, this, this was a live action batman series but uh, since Batman was sort of on the outs, it's just sort of 
Batman adjacent. Uh, okay, so here's here's the basic premise of the show. Mm. Uh, there was a comic book series uh, about uh, Oracle, who was, used to be Batgirl until she was shot in the spine by the Joker. If you want mm. to find out more about that, you can listen to the B-Movies podcast this week when you reviewed Batman the Killing Joke the movie, which well, sucked. It, wherein that, uh, that yeah. moment is dramatized. Yes. Uh, and yes, it's terrible. That movie is terrible. Comic book is, is good, but mm. dated in some ways. Uh, but uh, yeah, so she uh, used to be Batgirl. Then she reinvented herself as basically a mentor slash helper for other superheroes. And in the comics, she teamed up with the Black Canary and later the Huntress and became like their eyes and ears to make them better heroes. And it was a really interesting concept that no one had really done before. And it was was an all-female superhero team. And it was great. And when Gail Simone uh, took over as uh, the the regular series, it really took off and got an identity of its own Mm. and became one of DC's best original comics in a long time. Was it called Birds of Prey? It was called Birds okay. of Prey. So Cuz originally it was about Black Canary. Uh, from, from what I understand about uh this series, they 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 borrowed a lot of bits and pieces from different stuff. Yeah. Um Huntress comes from like an alternate future timeline sort of where Batman and Catwoman had a child, but it's not like official canon. It's like alternate universe. Okay. Canon. Okay. Once, uh, okay. Harley, We're getting into crisis and infinite earth territory. Yeah, so, it gets real weird. Okay. Don't, don't, don't describe crisis on infinite. No, no, I'm going to give you the gist of it. Too much information. I'm going to give you the gist of it. Okay. Oh, the birds right. of prey on this television series in the comics, they had a larger cast than this mm. on the television series. It is Oracle again, used mm. to be Batgirl. Now she's, mm. you know, backup support. And um, she, she's played by Dina Meyer. Who's been in a lot of, yeah. uh, pre- rec- pretty good, uh, genre films. She was in uh, starship troopers. Uh, she was in uh, the first four saw movies. She was, um, she was in Johnny mnemonic. If that counts, that was her first movie. Uh, yeah. And it also, uh, stars, uh, Ashley Scott from dark angel and Jericho as Huntress mm. and, uh, Rachel, Rachel Scarston. Yeah, from as, Lost Girl and Rain as, as Dinah. As Dinah, uh, who Ian Abercrombie plays yeah. Alfred Pennyworth as a, a very old Alfred Pennyworth. Yeah. Uh, who I recognize from Army of Darkness. Yeah, he's uh, great in Army of Darkness. You also <laughs> recognize him from Seinfeld. We'll, we'll get back to them in a minute. We're going to run down the whole cast. Here are the heroes. Mm. Okay. There's Oracle. Covered her. Mm. Huntress. In the comics, Huntress was originally the daughter of Batman and Catwoman in an alternate reality. Mm. And then... DC realized that it had too many alternate realities, so it basically deleted all of them. Mm. And they reintroduced Huntress as a different character who wasn't the daughter of Batman and Catwoman. She was the daughter of a crime boss who realized what her father was doing was wrong and rebelled by becoming a superhero. All right. Uh, The version of Huntress that we see in uh, the the TV series Birds of Prey Mm. has the origin of the alternate universe one. She's the daughter of Batman and Catwoman, Mm. but she has the personality and attitude and general outlook of the then contemporary version. This version of Huntress played by Ashley Scott. uh, She's like, she's very flip. She's very uh, fashion oriented. Mm -hmm. She's very uh, bitter and cynical in that sort of late nineties way. Mm -hmm. And uh, (laughs) no, this, the the late nineties, early two thousands are all over this thing. Oh my God. There's Um, everyone's wearing a midriff. uh, Oh God. There are midriffs everywhere. I love those midriffs, but I I I was, I didn't like them at the time. I think they they hired Ashley Scott because she has a very pronounced midriff. Just the, the the way she (laughs) is. All midriff. She's, yeah, she, she midriff two, and bangs. She is one third midriff. <laughs> midriff and uh, bangs. They're cops. <laughs> that's a different series. We'll get, a, we'll get to that. But uh, <laughs> uh, I, I appreciate her attitude. Uh, yeah. the, in this version of things, though, sh- they say she's half metahuman. Which and, is stupid. Well, in, in this version of things, Catwoman had cat Super- powers. She had superpowers. Well, and well, this one. Again, 
Okay. We, and in this one, uh, can of worms. Uh, the Huntress has... Well, I mean, we're just explaining the premise of this no, show. We're, but uh, explaining the premise and reconciling it with what everyone knows about Batman is really complicated. Uh, but because so it takes place she, in this weird nebulous realm between the comics and the movies. So, because, well, they take... they like, like I said, they take bits and pieces from various things and kind of cram them all together. Which I think so is one of the Hunt, reasons why it was hard for people to latch uh, hold so on this series because you don't know where ha- you stand. Huntress has superpowers. She's uh, essentially just a super acrobat. And, yeah, uh, and, and she can and see in the dark. She can see in the dark, and she's very, very strong. Yeah, uh, it, it's ne- her powers are never really explicitly stated, and I like that they're not too showy. She just yeah. can, is just a very physically capable being. She's kind of super strong, um, but not to a crazy extent. Yeah. Uh, and she's really agile. Mm. She can like jump off a building and land and be fine. Uh, meanwhile, the main villainess of the series. Well, we haven't even uh, talked about the last all the heroes. Oh well, uh, well, well, I'm just trying to get together all the various pieces because That's the, thing, it's so hard. the villainess of the series is uh, Doctor Harleen Quinzel. Shut up, Harleen Quinzel. That's her Shut. actual name from the comics. I know, and it's stupid in the comics right, too. I'm just saying, they're stuck dumb. with it. What nope, are they going to do? Nobody's named Harleen. They they're can, stuck they, with it. No, they're not. They changed yes, it. They everyone can change knows everything. that's her name. I like, can't do that. I like that they can no, cram like, all these pieces Batman, together. We're going to do Batman, but can we call him Bat Person? Why not? Because sure. no one, it, we can't market that. It's call already him, known. Call him Dave Wayne. They did it with the Hulk. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Dr. Harleen Quinzel, better known as Harley Quinn, is a character that was introduced in the Bruce Tim Batman animated series. Yep. Uh, became so beloved that she eventually made her way into the comics. And I think at and that became point. became a breakout character in the and comics. And I think in the com- she was already in comics before mm-hmm. she was ported over into this one. But in this yeah. one, she's a different version of the character. She's essentially not Harley Quinn yet, or maybe she retired from being Harley Quinn. She, okay, here's. It's not ever really made explicit, I'm but trying she's played to... by Mia Sarah, and she is. Uh, Huntress's psychiatrist, which I think is actually kind of an interesting yeah, angle. The premise is that uh, the Huntress, uh, while doing some various errands, superhero errands for Oracle, uh, got herself arrested and she has court mandated psychology appointments. Uh-huh. Uh, and she, her psychologist just happens to be Dr. Harley Quinn, who doesn't know she's Huntress, but she does enjoy, in her position as a psychiatrist, fucking with people. And that's actually pretty and, clever, and it's something they ended up doing in Hannibal. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty great. It's clever, and uh, they, they, there's more Silence of the Lambs, and we'll get to that in the oh, there's a lot. episode. But yeah. uh, I do like that relationship that they know everything about each other except for this like one vital thing. Yeah. Also, not only is she a shrink, but she's an aspiring crime boss. Yeah. So we see her colluding with super powered super criminals. In mm-hmm. one episode, she's trying to like wrangle a super soldier, which is a little odd. Oh, we didn't um, talk about that one. That one's that one's my least. <laughs> that one's the stupidest episode of a not very smart yeah. show. Sometimes. Uh, <laughs> but so so uh, so we have uh, okay. the Oracle version of the character, which and it all takes place in a sit. Not Gotham City, but New Gotham. I'm trying to explain that, and you won't Goth- let me. I'm just trying to lay out what's in the show. All right, I'm don't explain to- it yet because I'm, we're not to that point yet. All right. Hold off. Uh, it takes place in New Gotham because Gotham City was destroyed by an earthquake, and they rebuilt the city. That's literally uh, what I was trying to explain. Uh, okay. It was there was a big comic book crossover called No Man's Land. I don't. In which right. I, I'm just saying this was right. this had just happened in the comics. Okay, it was a big earthquake in Gotham City. And the city had to be rebuilt. It was mm. a huge deal. That's it. I okay. was just trying to tell you that what was going on in Batman that's comics all, at the time that they were trying to incorporate. Right. Uh, 
enough time has passed in this universe that Batman has retired and he's not part of this universe anymore. Well, he retired because uh, of the events that led to the death of Catwoman. And the crippling of Batgirl. Yeah, basically there was a big fight. Batgirl and Batman fought the Joker. Mm. Uh, the Joker, in retaliation for... I don't even, they didn't even explain why it was so bad this time. But <laughs> in retaliation... He sent a hitman after Catwoman for some reason, and so Catwoman dies. Well, and, so, he, and he knew that 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 was Batman's girlfriend. Yes, so. but like Batman didn't even know he had a daughter. So then, so then Helena uh, Kyle, uh, Catwoman's daughter, mm. you know, was like, "No, H- my daughter." Hunter, that's her real name, by the way, the yeah. Ashley Scott character. Yeah, not Selena Kyle, Helena Kyle. Helena <laughs> Kyle. Yeah. Um, so she, her mom dies, and there you go. And then uh, Batgirl gets shot in the spine, and Batman ditches Gotham, which is pretty uncharacteristic. But the point is, he's out of the picture. We get yeah. to s- now in that intro that you read, we do get mm-hmm. to see uh, the Joker and Batman sort of in like close ups and obfuscated things. Mm-hmm. He's wearing the Batman and Robin costume. Like the Schumacher costume. In fact, it's uh, literally that costume. They just repainted it. And uh, uh, Batgirl's costume is literally Alicia Silverstone's costume from Batman and Robin, mm. but they repainted it. And they gave and her the, a different mask that would actually fit Dina Meyer. And uh, uh, Batman's costume is a combination of, I think, uh, George Clooney's outfit repainted, and I think Val Kilmer's cowl, or vice versa. It's Yeah, but that's that's the look they're going with. And, and it's uh, kind of interesting. The that, Joker, like, yeah. we see bits of his face, yeah, he's, and he's, he's played by uh, at Roger actor. Stoneberger. Is what, the, he, whatever. He I think he was he a stuntman. He, he might have been a stuntman. He was just some guy, but he was voiced, strangely enough, by Mark Hamill, who also played the Joker in the an- the voice of the Joker in the animated series. And in Batman so, the Killing Joke. And in Batman the Killing Joke. Uh, yeah. So, the, yeah, they're, they're sort of just cramming a lot of these disparate elements of Batman mythology together yeah. to create what is essentially... Uh, a new reality. Uh, a new reality and a very uh, late 90s cynical riff on superherodom. Well, it's a cynical riff on superherodom. But, but, but when I say cynical, I don't mean it's bitter. It's no. cynical in that it's sort of uh, playful. Well, here's my thing. Mm. When Birds of Prey came out, there weren't really superhero shows on TV. There have been some recent attempts, but they weren't popular. It wasn't a thing. But what mm. we did have... We had Mantis. <laughs> didn't, fuck you, Mantis. <laughs> I'm going to bring up Mantis as often as I possibly can. <sighs> Mantis, last, Mantis only lasted one season. No, it lasted it? two seasons. Shit. It's, okay. it's off we the show. We can't right. talk about it. So you just have to bring it up as much as you can. It's going to try to get right. out of the system. <laughs> Fine. Uh, there weren't a lot of proper superhero shows on proper the air. Proper superhero shows. But what we had... Uh-huh were a lot of shows about heroic women mm. and shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer Zena and Warrior Princess Zena Warrior yeah. Princess Charmed okay. had been rather popular at the time so the idea of we're going to take Batman but we're going to focus on female characters that perhaps the mainstream isn't terribly familiar with but who have a lot of great history and have a lot of great personalities mm. uh, and we can focus on them and what's kind of I feel like what the show is hovering around and I didn't really get to talk about it in too great detail until towards the end of its sadly only first season mm. uh is the idea of it being a generational show yeah and it's not just about well, it's not just about mm. the child of batman and catwoman it's not just about the child of black canary who you managed to not mention uh it's also about well that, uh, how, they, they don't reveal that until like the sixth episode but yeah we, we don't know who dinah's parents are until later ev- into the show but everyone yeah everyone who knows the comics knew who that was but okay anyway i don't know the comics i'm just saying it wasn't a, it wasn't a closely kept secret all right uh 
but we have Joker's protege. Mm. We see Clayface's son at one point. Yeah. Uh, and that, I think, is way more interesting. And I wish they had focused on that because a lot of this series, for the majority of its run, mm. was about high school bullshit. It, there, was, there was a lot of high school stuff. And not and- even the character who's in high school. So we have there's a new character who comes into this new, comes onto the scene, Dinah, mm. uh, who I mentioned in my opening she, intro. She's, she's she's psychic and she's left her small town yeah. uh, somewhere in the middle of the country and has moved to the big city in mm. the hopes of finding somebody that she might know. And help, uh, hopes of finding herself, honestly. Mm. And so she teams up. She be, starts becoming a superhero. She's in she's high a, school. She's almost raped by Aaron Paul. That's worth noting. Oh yeah, first episode. Aaron Paul plays the bad guy who almost like who almost kills someone in an alleyway, much like uh, um, Sawyer from Lost, who appeared on the first episode of Angel, doing the exact same thing. <laughs> Weird. So, uh, but, so but, if but, you're but, a young but, aspiring actor yes. and you're asked to be in the pilot of a TV series where you almost assault the hero. That's a good career move That's for a, you. Yeah. That will go somewhere. <laughs> um, so she's in high school. Uh-huh. Uh, Huntress is uh, 23, uh, and every single one of her subplots that isn't about whether or not uh, she no, she's going she's to... she's 27. No, because she's going to her five-year reunion Oh, that's right. It's her five-year reunion. I thought it was her 10-year. No, yeah, five, you're right. They're five very specific year. about okay. it. She goes to her five-year reunion in one of the, la- in one of the later episodes, so she's okay. 23-ish. Okay. Uh, so, But uh, about half of her subplots involve leftover baggage from high school, mm. and uh, Barbara Gordon, uh, who, by the way, we never see Commissioner Gordon in this one, which is kind of weird. I, I'm, uh, I assume he's dead. It's odd that it Al- never comes Al- up. Alfred's still alive, and he's like 100. It's just but, yeah. odd that it never comes up. But no, because it doesn't... Okay. Real fast, mm. just to complete my thought, she teaches at high school. So it's very yeah. high school centric, which is again in keeping with the Veronica Marzi, Buffy the Vampire Slayerish kind of the, elements. When when did the C like the WB was already around? This was I, on the this, WB. So the the CW these days is known for this type of drama for uh, whatever the premise of the show is, whatever the genre of the show is, it tends to revolve around this very Melrose Placian high school school gossipy uh, milieu. And And this was pre CW. Yes. But this is, this is the sort of the the gestation of it. The WWWB (laughs) as it was then known uh, was the boom. Oh no, wait, that was Fox. Fox was, was the boom. The WWWB was very much the high school uh, network, network, and it, was, yeah. it had Smallville, mm. and that's about it for most of its running time. At One Tree Hill, that show that was on forever and nobody actually watched. Well, let's see. Um, uh, I have a few facts on the WB. Oh, uh, n- 95 to 2006 it ran, uh, and... Yeah, it it, 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 it it they tried to move it online. It had a, like a children's subsidiary, which is actually strangely persisting. Kids WB, uh, CW bought it, and that's when it became the yeah. CW. Anyway, neither here nor there. We have so much ground to cover. <laughs> we're not, we're so unfocused on this episode; it's driving me up the wall. Well, I love you. Well, you you want to stop and discuss Batman mythology, I'm, which is I'm, not in the show. It's, I'm trying it's fine. to give everyone the groundwork for the show because there's a lot of Batman out there. I'm telling mm-hmm. people. Okay, fine. All right. Um, where was I? I don't even know where I was fucking going with this. High school milieu. Yeah, it's very. It was very, very high school. But then you brought up something else, and I was going to change oh, okay. my point. And <laughs> I, I don't even know anymore. Well, we can go through episode by episode. Okay, now. so uh, the first episode uh, is uh, Dinah comes to New Gotham. Mm-hmm. We meet Huntress and Oracle. They're doing their thing. And uh, they team up, and they fight a guy who is able to exploit your fear and get you to commit suicide, and he's not the Scarecrow for some reason. 
Uh, he could have been the son of the Scarecrow. But he's not. He's not. Uh, it, it, it's, it's weird. It's, it's just Scarecrow-ish powers. It's, yeah. When it comes to a lot of these characters, I'm guessing either the writers weren't really sure, were, either weren't aware of them, weren't sure how to incorporate them, or it's entirely possible that they didn't have the rights to use the name. That, that a, happens a lot. Well, where they, they have like, you know, two thirds of the characters, but like the other are wrapped up in a different studio. I'll grant you that, but they had the Joker mm. and Catwoman. Well, they had all the big ones. Yeah. So it's weird that they couldn't get the Scarecrow, but... Um, it's possible. There's a couple of things that are possible here. One, if you have a character who you're intending to kill, mm. and they're kind of similar to a character who's kind of famous, you don't want to kill the famous one. Yeah, there you go. Uh, there's that. There's mm. also just you want to create your own characters because why wouldn't you? Mm. Uh, so there's that. Uh, but also there's sometimes it's just there's no reason why this guy couldn't have been the scarecrow <laughs> or had something to do with the scarecrow. Mm. And I think it would have been effective because it would have kept us in the Batman universe more cleanly at the mm. beginning. It takes a long while to meet any other characters that we're familiar with and sort of ingrain itself because some of the characters that we meet. Um, on this show are fucking terrible supervillains. <laughs> well, we immediately meet a character who can turn into water. That's in episode two. Yeah. Uh, they keep and, trying to call him Liquid Guy. Oh, they, they, they multiple end, times. They end up calling him Slick, which is cute, What's, I it's suppose. It's actually his name. Uh, uh, right. <laughs> it's actually uh, his name. And uh, in, in that episode. The bad guy who can turn into water has been done to death. Everybody's mm-hmm. seen that character. They did it in Darkwing Duck, for goodness sake. Mm-hmm. There's a character who can, who's made oh, out of yeah, water. Oh, yeah, that guy, yeah. Uh, uh, Hydro-Man is Hy- the Spider-Man villain. There you go. Uh, so, right away in the second episode, you know the tone of the series because it's it has the comic book material, but it treats it very flipply. And uh, in the late 90s, uh, a lot of the superhero comics and a lot of the attitude towards superheroes was... We've seen all this, huh? Haven't we? So they had to start really addressing it. A scream brought this out a little bit further, but it was already mm. going on. Where the people who were existed in superhero comics began to really understand the cliches of the superhero world. So all of the characters on Birds of Prey were really kind of aware of it. So it was kind of but, almost a comedic, to- comedically toned show. But weirdly enough, they weren't mm. because the I, the fundamental premise of the superhero aspect of the show is that Batman is still an urban legend. Yeah. People, yeah. this isn't famous. Mm. People don't know all these people exist. But they're, they're rumors at most. Ash- but- Ashley Scott and, and Oracle and Dinah are constantly talking about kind of how silly this premise is and why do we need all this stuff? Well, this is just what superheroes need. Well, yeah, it, to uh, them it's, it's, it's fresh, but my point mm. is that to the whole world, not so much. Mm. There's this also, there's this thing where they're trying to make it this kind of X-Men kind of deal where the superhumans are meta humans mm. or metas. They can't say superhero because as it turns out, Marvel owns the rights to that word. DC and Marvel own the rights to that equally. Oh, they, they? they came into an agreement. They both own that. Oh, okay. But I think the case. shows were trying to like create their own identity or whatever mm. and like not have to deal with it. So mm. I get why they tried to avoid it. But yeah. technically, DC and Marvel both have access to that. Uh, no one else me. does. Right. No, no. I, I know that because it's a weird legal thing that yeah. never happens. Um, so basically, there's a secret society underneath Gotham of people who have superpowers. Mm. They're just born with them. Sometimes they get them through weird ways. But people with superpowers, they even have their own bar. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, which, I, is, which is an aspect I really love, actually. Yeah. I, love the, I love the secret bar of superpowered people. Yeah, it's fun. Mm. It's, it's not a bad idea. It's perfectly fine. You have the, all these characters with superpowers. Fine. The, There's the, this the thing... bartender is like the T.J. Miller character, by the way. He's yeah. like the, sort of a comic, comic relief character who's always drooling over Huntress. His name is Gibson Kafka. 
Uh, isn't that fun? No, that's a <laughs> terrible name for any character ever. Uh, he's played by Robert Patrick Benedict, who genre fans will know from Supernatural, where he also basically plays that guy. Um, <laughs> he's found a niche. Yeah, he's and he's he's fine and he's actually very likable. Um, there's this thing that the Huntress keeps saying that drives me up the wall, uh-huh. where she keeps saying she's half meta. Uh-huh. You have superpowers. You're meta. That's like saying, you know, my mom was blonde and my dad was a brunette. I'm a brunette. I'm half blonde. No. <laughs> you might have the gene in there somewhere, well, I, but you're meta. That's how that works. You got that gene. That's not recessive. I think that's their way of, of explaining why her powers aren't flashier. Like she she can't like spit poison or something. Gibson Kafka has photographic memory. That's a superpower. That's not flashy. He's still just meta. <laughs> it's this weird thing because they're trying to make, oh, she's of two worlds. Yes. And it's just like they keep trying to throw it in her face. Mm. They talk about how she has technically inherited the Wayne family fortune. But she's still working at a bar because mm. she doesn't want to use it. She just uses it to keep Alfred Pennyworth on the payroll and buy all their superhero shit. So she's actually not that against paying for it. Well, I, I wasn't really clear on that, actually. If, mm. if she actually does have access to the Wayne money or if how much... Now, it's it's actually made concrete at the end of the 13th and final episode, but how much Batman is involved in this. Mm-hmm. I was under the impression that Batman wasn't even aware of her. Alfred knew about her, and he was sort of moonlighting. He was sneaking off to help out. But all of that equipment was stuff that Batgirl already had, and she was repurposing it. Um, in the unaired version of the pilot, which is very similar to the actually aired version yeah, of the pilot. Yeah, just a few details. Uh, the... the the, there are two major differences. Uh, one is that Harley Quinn was actually originally played by actress Sherilyn Fenn, who you might recall from Twin Peaks. She was Audrey Van Horn, mm. and she was great on that show. And honestly, having watched both versions, Mia Sarah was better. So I totally get well, it. Mia Sarah was better able to play sort of a, a maniac. Sherilyn Which Fenn. Which is weird, in, in, because you'd think the opposite would be true. <laughs> well, Sherilyn Fenn was, I think, too friendly. Just that's it. She just, was Mia she, Sarah. Mia Sarah. Most people know Mia Sarah from the One Two Punch in the eighties of Legend and Ferris Bueller, mm. and uh, she's been around. She keeps doing stuff, but she never really became like a big name after that. She's she's peaked. Her visibility peaked early, and then she just became just a working actor. Uh-huh. She's really good on the show. Um, so she, she's got a lot of great moments, especially in the the big finale yeah. where she does this she gives herself superpowers which is odd uh, but, but the yeah. the other big difference in the unaired pilot which again you can see on the dvd is uh, they're kind of clearer about setting up a lot of stuff the whole prologue uh is actually dramatized for a couple of minutes and you mm. see batman and cat and batgirl fight the joker and you see the joker kill or have bat uh, catwoman killed and shoot Batgirl, and they talk more about that backstory, and Alfred Pennyworth does clarify that Helena Kyle, uh, I I guess Batman found out she existed after Catwoman died, Mm. and then he left her the fortune, and then he left town. They never quite explain why he left town. The series ends with a phone call, basically, with Alfred Pennyworth just giving Bruce Wayne the heads up. (laughs) And you know what? I actually got to admit, while I wish there had been at least some motivation for why Batman left town that didn't involve just him being shitty, Uh um, I like that he sat it out. I like that it was yeah, all well, about it was all about them. It wasn't about like Batman, you know, in, was, enforcing his will upon his psychics, which he does all the time in every other version. It, it wasn't about these three women or two two women and a girl uh, mm-hmm. trying to two women and a teenager, t- t- two women and a teenager trying to live in the shadow of Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
although this series is very much about legacy and about intergenerational play, uh, it's it's not about sort of uh, having to coexist with that. It's about finding your own identity. Yeah. And with Batman in the series, they couldn't have had that. No. They because it would have just been about Batman. It would have been too distracting. And uh, so, yeah, it, I like that it takes place in sort of a future where just Batman's not a thing anymore. Yeah. Um, it's a neat idea. I wish they'd been clearer so about setting it up. But there, and do? so it's about these characters and their own interpersonal dramas. There's a lot of uh, romance in the show. Um, mm-hmm. We haven't brought up Shamar Moore yet, who plays Reese. Yes. Uh, who is basically... Basically, like our version of Commissioner Gordon, she's Huntress's connection to the police or, department. Or he is. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, he is. Yeah, uh, sorry. Yeah, Reese is is the cop, and they have this interplay, and eventually yeah. it turns into something kind of romantic, mm-hmm. uh, which you know is going to happen in the second episode when they're trapped in a sauna together, and, <laughs> and they have to strip, and there's all these glory shots over not her body, but his body. Oh, his body. Yeah. They, they, oh, my. The camera humps that guy like nobody's business. They knew, they knew what they were working with. <laughs> It's pretty great. Shamar Moore, um, do you mind if we uh, get you shirtless and sweaty? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, actually, great. one more difference between uh, the unaired pilot and the okay. aired pilot, now that I think about it. Um, in the pilot version that we saw, mm-hmm. uh, we see uh, the start of a romance between Oracle and a guy named Wade. Um, who's also a teacher at her high school. We yeah. see that begin. Mm-hmm. In the pilot episode that didn't air, we see it end. Right up front. Right yeah. up front. And so, there's a scene, they actually replay that scene. They reshot it, but they yeah. replay that scene later in the series. Yeah, there's a scene where uh, she's like off on the street somewhere, like with some street vendors, and he brings her tulips. Mm. Same scene plays out the exact opposite way later on in the show. It's really, really <laughs> weird. Uh, Wade is played by actor Sean Christian, who mm. you will know from two things. One, Tremors 3. <laughs> two... <laughs> As the world turns, in which he played Mike Kaznoff. Now, Mike Kaznoff <laughs> is one of my favorite characters in As the World Turns. You will recall uh, that Mike Kaz- Shut up. I'm, I'm going to go to the library. Mike Kaznoff gonna... appeared uh. in the mid-90s, and his, his on-again, off-again relationships uh, with Rosanna Cabot and her sister, uh, Carly Tenney, uh, it was, I think it was half-sister, actually. My apologies. Mm. Uh, it was just one of the great driving forces of that show for a while. Uh, so uh, I just really always liked seeing Sean Christian in anything. Uh-huh. Go on. I watched As the World Turns a lot uh-huh. when I was a kid. <laughs> I, I loved that yeah. show. He was, but, uh, he was he was he was good man. But 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 I do like is that <laughs> we, we have these like hunky romantic dudes and the the teenage yeah. character Dinah. There's one episode about how she's she can read minds. That's her yes. superpower and, and she's how telekinetic. She, uh, th- which yeah, a little bit later it turns out she's also telekinetic and. Yeah. Uh, she uses her powers to read the mind of a boy she likes so she can pretend to have those interests. And yeah, how, he likes uh, this band. I like that band. He how, likes this sporting how group. How unethical like that, that turns out to be. And yeah, she's a monster in that episode. Well, she's a teenager. She's I appreciate learning that. her lessons. There's there's this ongoing motif throughout Birds of Prey, the series, where um, <clears throat> people are sort of like learning as they go and making mm. mistakes with their powers and with their morality as a hero. And sometimes it's good superhero drama. Well, it's good superhero drama, but sometimes they go so far. I'm, I'm, I'm like, there need to be some consequences for this. She basically 
plunders this guy's mind. His privacy. He, he yeah. his privacy. And there's this bit where she like sort of like tries to extricate herself in the situation. Like, I'm sorry, I, I I only pretended to be interested in those things. And he's like, Well, how did you know? Well, I looked inside your PDA. Yeah. Oh my god, you invaded my privacy. Yeah, You're so... a monster. And she's and then, like, but, yeah, and the, but then then and she says, Yeah, I did that. I'm sorry. And then he immediately lets her off the hook. So there's no consequences later. Well, I mean, what's he gonna like, do? She, well, I mean, like, she, but uh, for a, a lesson for a teenager, it's like you got busted this time yeah. we're gonna never let you off the hook again. this time never do it again they, otherwise there'll be real consequences and i think that's fine but they but, also do this thing that we see in a lot of in a lot of superhero movies mm. uh and, and tv shows where the heroes constantly talk about how we never cross the line we yeah. never kill anybody yeah. a lot of people die over the course of this yeah, series yeah. a lot of the supervillains end up getting killed uh there's a and there's an episode that's all about how the oracle got a 10 year old killed yeah with yeah, no yeah. consequences other than she feels bad about it like i don't like it's it's real shitty uh, actually th- and that's the episode with shiva right is lady she, shiva la- yeah. is lady shiva from the comics yes okay. lady shiva is one of the only um, important characters of the comics who shows up other than the ones we mentioned well and and clay Clayface. Those well. are the those are the other um, two. Yeah, yeah. But I, I I do like that it's about women sort of dealing. With, oh, actually, uh, strike that Black Canary does show up. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, um, we, we eventually learn that the the Black Canary does show up in an episode, and that she is Dinah's uh, mother. That she's Dinah's mother, and, and she was kind of the first female superhero, and that amongst the superhero community, she's kind of a legend. Okay. Uh, the only the only thing I know about her is that a friend of ours dresses as her to, to con- <laughs> conventions. I know yes. jack all about uh, Black Canary. Black Canary is a a formidable superhero. Uh, who is a powerful fighter. She has one superpower, and that is she can... The canary cry. Yeah, basically, she can scream mm. real loud and fuck your shit up. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, she's played rather well in this series by alumni from Full House. Uh, and in the episode, she, like, reconnects with Dinah. They, she thought, Dinah thought she, her mother abandoned her. And then uh, she gets killed... Uh, by a villain named Hawk, played by Stephen McCaddy, who shows up later in this same season, all of a sudden played by Mitch Pileggi. Also, they, they explain that he had plastic surgery, which is why he's like now taller and totally different, has a totally different personality. <laughs> also, he's also it turns out that, that that Hawk, Hawk, the bad guy, is Detective Reese's father, which is actually kind of a neat idea, and well, they don't the, really, especially in a in a series that is about sort of legacy and intergenerational yeah. stuff, to to have a lot the inter interaction between parents and children and what your parents have done uh, affect you in ways you don't understand. And I think that's not everyone's parents was a superhero. Sometimes they're bad people. I think that's actually kind of a a clever thing they do because it's Mm -hmm. interwoven into every episode. Um, Yeah. Every, every that's the overarching theme of the series is the sins of the father, essentially. Basically. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, so, okay, so uh, let's I th- talk about some of the episodes. Um, let's see. So the first episode we, we talked about mm. a bit. Uh, the second... <clears throat> excuse me. Mm. Oh, uh, in fact, in fact, one of the episodes, episode five, is called Sins of the Mother. So it's, it's well, all there right there. Um, um, so then we got... Uh, what was it? Uh, what, uh, we have, do you have a list of episodes right Yeah, there? I do. Sins of the Mother was mm. the one with uh, Black Canary. We have... Uh, uh, no, wait, back up, back up. Because we have to talk about the shittiest episode of this whole fucking series. Uh, which one, which one uh, is it's that? It's the one with the super baby. Okay, oh, okay, so there's Pray for the Hunter, which is about a serial killer killing metahumans. That one's just kind of okay. Three birds and a baby. I was just looking for that. All Thank right. you. Three birds and a baby. Huntress finds a baby mm-hmm. that grows up multiple years and in intelligence and vocabulary and mm-hmm. fighting prowess every time it closes its eyes, basically. Every time it goes to sleep, it ages like a decade. Yes. And, uh, Harley it's... Quinn had this super baby made for some reason. 
and yeah, she loses she, it. She loses it, and they look after it, and then it dies of old age, and that's the end. It's uh, a stupid fucking episode. Which was actually a, a story that had been used previously in an episode of Deep Space Nine, where they find the ge- <laughs> the Gem Hadar baby, and the Gem Hadar baby grows into an adult like over oh, the yeah, course of a few days. And, about that. But that one doesn't die of old age, though. He ends up like just it just it, reclaiming it, his own culture, yeah, realizing it, it turns trying out, to indoctrinate me into another culture, it, and I reject that. It, it turns out that Gem Hadars can't stop being assholes, and he runs away as an asshole and that's the end of the episode uh yeah. yeah this one was trying to this one was trying to like get like real powerful you know mm. human emotions out of a very silly concept because i understand okay so he's growing super fast uh-huh. okay where's the fighting skills coming from what the hell is Some, this somehow crap? he's and he learns language somehow he's just yeah, programmed it's, to it's do just all this a lot of wacky right up at the front of the series <laughs> well and uh, again so you don't like the wacky i think there's a limit Okay. Um, and I think sometimes birds of prey crosses. Okay. Uh, I, I, I appreciate the wacky. And, I can uh, handle it, but I want it to be balanced by because, something. Uh, e- this is very much a super villain of the week episode. And oh. there's a different bad guy every episode. And yeah, they, and they dispatch him. Yeah. Um, so this one, they what's a good story they find a baby and what's special about this baby okay it's super aging baby it's it's you, i don't think we needed a super aging you can baby you can see the writer's room on this one no like, it's like <laughs> i can see coming how up they some got ideas, to but, it yeah. but no i don't think it worked yeah. What we uh, after that is the Black Canary episode, Sins of the Mother, which yes. we've discussed. Uh, okay. Number six is called Primal Scream at the request of Reese. Hanala goes undercover. This is the one where she uh, poses as a thief and finds that she's really comfortable with the underground's thieving ring. Is that that one? Really? Pardon? I thought that was a different episode. Okay, yeah. So uh, 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 Huntress, uh, yeah, she goes undercover with a bunch of criminals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, but the thing, what's cool about this one again is that it has that same plot where we've talked a lot about how she's living in Batman's footsteps, but she's also Catwoman's daughter. Mm-hmm. She has that in her as well. Yeah. Wild streak, uh, and that's kind of a neat idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, doesn't really go and anywhere. I, I, I and liked, it's also like uh, Reese's partner gets blown up, but I guess he's fine. Yeah, there's. Uh, I, I liked the di- the the actors who played the thieves. I thought they had sort of an interesting dynamic. There's, yeah. there's. Here's something I like about Ashley Scott. Ashley Scott, who plays Huntress, who plays Huntress, uh, is very capable. A at fighting. I've seen a lot of mm-hmm. like TV level fighting, especially from young women, and it's rarely convincing. Uh, because there's a difference between somebody who is a fighter and somebody who is just trained to fight for the camera. Mm-hmm. And there are some people who have been doing it long enough that it feels really natural. And Ashley Scott is either a natural at it or has been doing it for a while. Because when she mm-hmm. kind of gets up on her feet and balls up her fists and sort of hunches her shoulders, mm-hmm. she's in a fighting stance. You know she can take you down. Yeah, when I see and there are times in the show when you can tell it's obviously a stunt double, mm-hmm. but she sells it even she, in, the, in the acting in, moments. In the well. acting moments. Yeah. Uh, when I see Sarah Michelle Gellar, I, am not, I don't buy it from yeah. Sarah Michelle Gellar. I can see that. Uh, so I appreciate that. And she has a very palpable sense. Sexuality. When she is attracted to somebody or when she kisses somebody, she you actually feel actual sex. It's not that sort of TV version of sexiness. I complained about this a lot when we talked about uh, City of Bones. Oh, Mortal Instruments. <laughs> the Mortal Instruments oh, yeah. series. Oh, yeah, the Shadow Hunters. Uh, about, yeah. yeah, how the, the Shadow Hunters series was all about sort of this TV version of sexy, which, like, showed off a lot of skin and a lot of sexy clothes, but wasn't actually sexual. Mm -hmm. Ashley Scott sells it. She feels like a libidinous human being when she's required to be libidinous. Uh, And I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, The next episode Mm. uh, is Split. Split. 
Mm-hmm. And that's that's a the Jekyll and Hyde episode. That's a Jekyll and Hyde episode. A good idea for an episode, but it also falls apart because it's another one where they introduce a new character rather than someone who might actually have some baggage. Mm. They basically uh, a superhero comes into town uh, searching for a serial killer he's been tracking for a long time. Mm. Uh, the superhero's name is Dark Strike. <laughs> Dark Strike is a stupid and, fucking name. And he dresses the same as as Huntress. Huntress, yeah. by the way, wears like a really long black uh, leather trench coat, mm-hmm. and she looks kind of badass in it. Yeah, she doesn't wear a mask. Which is weird because there's this ongoing plot where a detective constantly interacts with her and, they, and yeah, can't figure out who she is. Even though he sees her face. Yeah, I'm sorry. And, and in fact, talk to a sketch artist. There's, a, con- there's a conversation later in the series about whether or not she actually has a secret identity. And she says, of course I do. I you know, yeah. I just don't want to cover my face in hair because I'm vain. And I, yeah. I think that's kind of cute. It's kind of cute. Are, but you it, know, you don't. You don't cover your face. Everybody can see who you are. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it's, it's, it's a little odd, but, uh, so yeah, so Dark Strike comes in town and he's catching a serial killer, which is pretty dark for this series. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out he caught the serial killer a long time ago, but his fiance got killed and he's the serial killer the yeah, whole time. He's, he's a shapeshifter. Uh, which the, is a neat idea. bad serial killer is played by an actor named Brian Thompson, who you know. Oh, you've seen him in everything. Yeah, he's he's a, been in Buffy the Vampire Slayer as multiple characters. Um, I think he was one of the aliens in the X-Files, wasn't he? Like one of the yeah, he, 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 he was one of the, yeah, the guy with the yeah. little needle. That's he's just, him. He's just one of those ubiquitous mm. big tough guys. Like, you've just <laughs> seen him in every single mm. thing. He's awesome. Um, uh, episode eight was the one with Lady Shiva, which yeah. is, uh, but yeah, a 10 year old girl dies and she's off the hook. Um, <laughs> yeah, Batgirl, so Batgirl's Bar- off the Barbara hook. Barbara Gordon that. was fighting, uh, when he, back when she was Batgirl, she was fighting a supervillain named Lady Shiva. Uh, a building exploded because of a misplaced batarang, mm-hmm. and it turns out Lady Shiva's little sister died, and Lady Shiva turns out her secret identity. She was a friend of the Huntress, and you, everyone. It, the problem, one of the problems with Birds of Prey is that they keep thinking that th- they have a mystery on the show, even though it's really fucking obvious. There's an episode we're going to see later on in which uh, there's a character, there's a guy who's invisible. We don't know who the invisible guy is. Maybe it's the recognizable character actor whose only function in the plot is to be the guy no one notices. Maybe it's him, yeah, but, it's, but no, we're going to assume it's every other human. This movie, this this show is very yeah. You're right. They're, they're incredibly clunky about present presenting actual yeah. like plot in any sort of graceful way. Yeah, it's and it's, it's not it's it's not it's it's a strong suit. They're also really bad at uh, sort of working their way through the big plot points. They like whenever they give the sort of big beginning of the third act twist that sort of sets the action into motion. It's always the most mawkish bit of dialogue, uh-huh. and they always come up with. Like, you know, in Star Trek, how they, they come up with some sort of, like, technical jargon to and sort then, of get them out of it. And, and then they come up with a metaphor to explain like, it cleanly it, to it, the audience. Exactly. But yeah. but the, the way they do it, sort of, they have, in Star Trek has been very good, especially Next Generation On, about making it sound like, the actors are very good about making that sound very natural. All yeah. of this, like, techno babble. Like, you have a techno babble problem. Mm-hmm. You have to reinvert the phase and in- inducers or whatever it is they're saying they, right. they come up with this sort of imaginary technology in this one they come up with the imaginary technology and they do all of this tech speak and it is the worst techno babble you've ever heard and well, they use like really common words that everybody understands but they have to say that it's techno babble so all the other characters well, sort of blink and say i don't understand what you're saying okay birds use of prey, the oblique metaphor please birds of prey the fact uh, that the phrase master of the cyber realms is at the beginning of every episode <laughs> should tell you you just how fo- just how grounded in reality mm. uh, the show really really is. So uh, Oracle 
Um, she's a computer expert. She has a lot of computer stuff. Okay, right. fine. She hacks into a thing. She gets files, etc. Sometimes she has holograms that show her things, and Dinah <laughs> has like laser shooting eyeglasses that create holographic images of stuff she's not looking at. And you're just sort of like, no, no, we're not going to be doing this, Birds of Prey. Uh-huh. You're not going to get away with this one. I'm sorry. No. I am not following along. Uh, I just... Nobody ordered... All right. Uh, nobody ordered a goose. You take that right away. Um... I just, I just, I just can't accept it. Right. Um, so anyway, so the Lady Shiva episode, it's all about Batgirl trying right. to deal with her guilt. Also, that's the episode when we find out that even though Batgirl is confined to a wheelchair, uh, she can walk. Yeah, she's got a, a little widget she can attach to her back that lets her walk very awkwardly for short periods. Except uh, not awkwardly. She looks fine. No, they, I think no. Dina Meyer is very good about sort of giving a weird affected limp. She tries, to, but know. later in the later in the season, they just treat it like she's just got superpowers. It doesn't work. Hmm. Um, so that's that's the latest episode. The next episode, Nature of the Beast. That's the one where uh, Hawk comes back, Mitch Pileggi, Reese's hmm. father, and he might be willing to go into witness protection. And there's all that going on. What's kind of interesting about this episode is actually who worked on it. Uh, it was written by Melissa Rosenberg, uh, who wrote several episodes on this series uh, and ended up writing all five twice. Twilight movies, and mm. also executive producing Jessica Jones, a the new Netflix series, a, a fantastic series. Mm. Actually, like if you whether or not you like Birds of Prey, Jessica Jones is better. It's so good, mm. uh, and it was directed by Sean Levy, uh, who who has done a lot of sort of schlocky mainstream Hollywood action well, or Hollywood comedy. His career is actually kind of interesting because he did shit like Cheaper by the Dozen Mm. and the two Pink Panther remakes, but he also did Real Steel, which is pretty cool, and he's an executive producer on the hit new Netflix series Stranger Things. So he's got some cred. So So they've moved on to more successful things. The next episode is also a weird one Mm. uh, because of what came afterwards. It's Mm. called Gladiatrix. And this one was directed by David Carson. Ah. You know what David Carson directed? No. A lot of Star Trek. No kidding. In fact, and he even did uh, Star Trek Generations. He did the film. Oh, yeah. Okay, so Gladiatrix is uh, a plot in which Huntress uh, gets kidnapped and forced into an all-female superhero gladiator fight underneath the city of Gotham. Mm. Um, New Gotham. New Gotham. (laughs) Excuse me. Uh, Which is a a cool idea for a show, and in fact, it was actually done again on Justice League Unlimited, the animated series, uh, except instead of being called Gladiatrix, it would be... I'm trying to remember what they actually called the underground fighting ring. It's called the Glamour Slam. Oh, dear. And on Dressing Limited is an infinitely better version of this episode. A, the fighting is awesome. B, the writing is better. And that episode was written by Gail Simone, who became famous for writing Birds of Prey. So, a fun uh, little bit of, a, of trivia there. Uh, it, it's such a boring story. I've seen it so many times, and yeah. it, it connects to... It's like, okay, well, it we're, we're going to go hit anywhere. that beat. Uh, th- uh, then we have the high school reunion episode. Yes. This one... Does, do people have five-year high school reunions? No, they only have ten-year high school reunions. So that was kind of a stretch. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, this yeah. is all about the romances, and Helena finds herself torn between well, uh, the fellow she used to have a crush on, and the over the course of the series, they've been sort of exploring her romance with Reese, and in this when it comes to a head, and she also reveals her real name to Reese, and that changes the dynamic of the series a little bit. There's a thing as they inten- as they intended the series to go on longer than they did. There's a thing they try to do. Uh, they, they sometimes Birds of Prey tries to have it both ways, mm. where they want to make, make Helena Kyle seem super cool, but also an outsider, hmm. and it doesn't always work. And in the reunion episode, 
we find out that, yeah, like, oh, the, the cute guy in school, no one knew who I was. And then you also find out that she was the leader of the pep squad. And those two things don't go together terribly well. <laughs> um, and it doesn't quite work. That's also, I believe it's Sean Gunn is in that episode as the invisible guy. Okay. Uh, Sean Gunn is the brother of James Gunn, who uh, would end uh, up doing Guardians of the Galaxy. He, he's very good. Yeah, he's I, fine. I like him in that episode. Um, and then uh, then we had Feet of Clay, and this is kind of the big one. And honestly, I feel like this is the episode, even though it's not a great episode, mm. that probably is where the show is getting at. I think this is the well, clearest this, 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 episode. Yeah, this is this really clinches what the, the series is really about, because we have uh, an old villain, Clayface, mm-hmm. uh, who I only knew from the animated series. I, I imagine he's from long ago in the comics, yeah. uh, who is now Hannibal Lecter, more or less. And yeah. He's in Arkham Asylum, and he's just trapped there, and he's talking to Huntress but about he, in, her current case. In this version of things, he's that sort of suave, uh, cool intellect like Hannibal Lecter. For some reason, he has a Cajun accent, and a really bad one at that. It's a really bad accent, uh, actually. He's I, played by the guy who played uh, Marvin Nash, the cop from Reservoir Dogs that got his ear cut off. Oh, that, that's right. Yeah, kind of uh, weird. But in this version of but things, half the his, episode, like, where do I know that guy? His from? son is looking after the same chemical that turned his father into Clayface, mm-hmm. so he can also be a Clayface and show up his father. Yeah, uh, but it turns out it doesn't work. He has different clay-ish powers. He, he can, can turn, turn you into turn clay. people into clay. Yeah, and. Yeah, it's about trying to outlive your parents' legacy, and that really plays into what all three of the Birds of Prey are doing. Why are they called Birds of Prey? Okay, that makes way more sense in the comics when originally... Because there's no bird characters among them. uh, Dinah was supposed to be Black Canary. Like that was the idea. Originally, it was Black Canary and Oracle. But a canary and Oracle is, is often an Oracle is often portrayed as sort of a sphinxy kind of kind of thing. Well, so a sphinx has wings, but it's not I a know, bird. I know. A canary is not a bird of prey. A bird. A canary is just cat's a, prey. It's just a bird. <laughs> right. It's just a bird. Uh, there was more of a bird. Anyway, there but, was more of a bird motif in the comics. It didn't really translate, but now they're stuck with the name. Hey, but now we have Clayface's son, and we get to deal with the very direct theme of legacy. Uh, yeah, great and, idea for an episode. Not actually a great episode. And then the final episode... Also, also we find out Clayface is the one who killed uh, Catwoman. Oh, that's right. That's Which is kind of a big deal. Yeah, uh, yeah. That Clayface killed Catwoman. He was the, the assassin hired by the Joker. So there's two moments where one of the characters is going to kill a bad guy and the other character gets says, we don't kill. Yeah, and except for all those other times when we did, but we're trying not to we're do trying, it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and then the last episode... It's actually, the Feet of Clay is actually a two-parter. Uh, it leads directly into the season, the series finale. And what's kind of cool, and well, give uh, the CW some credit about, um, or sorry, the WB. WB, not the CW uh, yet. I'll, I'll give them I'll give a little bit of credit. So basically, Birds of Prey, the series premiere of Birds of Prey was their highest rated series premiere ever. Okay. And then the ratings dropped spectacularly. <laughs> and I'm not entirely sure what happened, or what, mm-hmm. what it was, but whatever, it, it happened. Um, they canceled the show, but they allowed them to retool the f- season finale or whatever the 13th episode was going to be into a series finale. Mm. Um, so it, so it, the, it wraps everything they, they up did, pretty well. They didn't know they were going to get canceled until they started production yeah. on this final episode. So, yeah. So they or somewhere around there anyway. Mm. And uh, so it, things move pretty quickly in this one, but it's actually a pretty good episode. It, it starts with... Uh, Harley Quinn's Har- Har- plan. Harley Quinn's plan. She kidnaps a, like a, a man with superpower, hypnotizing powers, mm-hmm. and uses this c- comedic-looking machine. 
like this big brain siphon machine. Like this is something straight out of like 1930s Flash yeah, Gordon serials. It's this ridiculous is, this looking. This is lifted from James Whale's Bride of Frankenstein yeah, set. Pretty it's much. really broad. And yeah, they sit in these big metal chairs and she essentially siphons out that guy's powers and now she has hypnotizing powers and she yeah. manipulates uh, men mostly, mostly to do her bidding. Uh, and she essentially turns herself into the super villainess that she's always longed to be subtly throughout the show. Yeah. Uh, what with her super soldiers and talking to water guys scenes, which don't <laughs> really make a lot of sense. Not whatsoever. Uh, she always has a different, it's weird. Every time she's talking to a super villain, she has a different scheme going on, mm-hmm. but it's, she actually doesn't have any impact on anything. It's just she's there. She's there. She's, she's there. She's, she's, she's kind a of threat really, lurking. She's always right. like, I can't believe you didn't rob that armored car. And now my mm. plan will come to fruition. Your plan never comes to fruition. But yeah, ever. She she, she uses <laughs> her now. her hypnotizing. She uh, during therapy kind of hypnotizes uh, Helena into no, reveal. She, or Helena just sort of gets some things off her chest during therapy. Reveals that Harley she's Quinn the finally she gets, gets everybody's she, names. She gets behind Helena's defenses finally and mm. finds out who everyone is. And so she goes she after them. almost immediately breaks into their secret hideout and the clock tower in the middle of New Gotham. She hypnotizes she Alfred, hypnotize. so he's there with a shotgun ready to uh, shoot she, all the heroes. She, and then she uses TV signals to hypnotize the entire city, but they don't have a budget to really show that, so it's just something hear, that's lurking in the background. We hear rioting in the background uh, uh, in some scenes, which is a cool <laughs> idea. I wish they had the, some money for it. Mm. Uh, she also hypnotizes uh, Barbara's boyfriend, Wade, and kills him, yep. which is pretty fucked up. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Um, and then uh, she hypnotizes Helena to kill everyone else. And there's this weird thing that's kind of frustrating about Birds of Prey mm. um, where they forget how powerful Dinah is. Like, oh, yeah, no, yeah. Helena is trying to kill us. Well, we better hide in this closet. Or you could use your you impressive could, you could, like, psychic powers. You could, like, float her against a wall yeah, or something. You, yeah. you, you got inside Helena's mind and deprogrammed her in the first episode when someone got in her head. Why can't you do it now? <laughs> and though, so instead, <coughs> instead Barbara has to show up and use her bullshit oh, like Jammy Dodger laser gun to like de you know dehypnotize her. <laughs> Jammy Dodger's a cookie, dude. Uh, I know, but it looks like a Jammy Dodger okay. that shoots a laser. Uh, it, it, no, it's it's a flashing strobe. But it looks like a Jammy something Dodger. else that was done an episode of Star Trek. Shut there was up. an episode of Next Generation where they're all hypnotized and Data comes in with a little flashy light and unhypnotizes them all. That's fine. In any case... <laughs> I'm uh, saying there's a lot of overlap because a lot of the same people worked on these I'm shows. sure that's true. Uh, so so that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, then they all team up and there's a big fight. And I want to talk about this fight for two reasons. Uh, one, because it's the most ambitious action sequence the show has ever had, and yes. it's mostly stunt doubles, but they're doing their job, and mm. it's kind of cool. It's edited well enough. It's yeah. kind of cool. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about is that it plays out very differently than it did if you watched it when it originally aired. And it's one of the weirdest things about Birds of Prey, as it will now exist forever. Hmm. Birds of Prey, like many television shows before... Uh, uh, the dawn of DVD television shows mm. and streaming television shows. Uh, when they produced it, they didn't get the rights to the music. Yeah. Uh, um, there was this thing in the late 90s and early 2000s in particular. They still mm. do it, but it was really a thing. Where on the CW, on shows like Dawson's Creek mm. and uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Veronica Mars and stuff, uh, every episode would end with tonight's episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer featured music by the Cardigans or whatever. <laughs> the Cardigans. Or like, it was someone like that. It was or, like 
primitive radio gods and screaming trees. And it was incredibly obvious that they filmed the episode and they just had these parts where contemporary music here would right, play. Right, right. Well, I mean, and soundtracks were big business then. Yeah. And they were. And it was and honest. And honestly, it wasn't even a bad system as long as the music was reasonably well placed. It was basically like, oh, look, there's a popular new band. We mm-hmm. can get a bit of synergy in here. They sell a couple extra records and we look hip. Bada so bing, like, bada boom, we're hip. Yeah. So, but the problem is they didn't get the rights to distribute that on home video. Because no one thought that would ever be a thing. That was not a thing you did. That was really rare, actually. Um, So a lot of the music in Birds of Prey, as you see it on DVD, is not the same as it is in the show. And And the final action sequence, to start with, uh, was originally played to Tattoo's hit song, All the Things She Said. uh, Which is a cool song. (laughs) And now it plays to some generic rock. But the worst offender is the opening Uh, credits. The opening theme song is by a band that I wasn't able to track down. Oh, oh, no, we need but to talk about this. We need to talk about this. this uh, the, the song is uh, well, the is a straight... Uh, this is the version as it appears on DVD. No, we should start with the version, because it's because this is the, the disconnect. Right. Right. The version that appeared when it aired hmm. was uh, by a, a song by uh, Amy... Amy Allen. It's called Revolution. Yeah, yeah. and it's a hard rockin' song, hmm. and the lyrics are basically, I'd start a revolution, I'd start a revolution if I could get up in the morning, which really isn't... They're they're not lazy heroes. That no, doesn't... It's, it's it's apathy. That's nineties. It's apathy. Yeah. It's got that apathy. But yeah. like, it's a really cool hard rock and soundtrack, and it just tells you this show is cool. Uh-huh. You will like this show. These women kick ass. And then when they put it on DVD, they didn't get they're... that right to that song, and they replaced and... it with a Lilith Fair ballad. Yeah, straight out yeah. of like. Uh, uh, an EP that Alanis Morissette forgot she released. Yeah. So basically, it's like uh, they replaced the the theme song to something. I don't know, what had what had like a cool badass theme song? TV the A Team. They replaced the theme song to the A Team with the theme song to Dawson's Creek. <laughs> like it doesn't work. And here's the thing: hmm. no one seems to know who did the version of the song you hear on the DVD. Yeah, the, it goes something this like, "This is my remedy." You're that's that's not everything. So that's ailing me. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 yeah. the new theme song. Yeah, you're 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 saying it a little wrong, but it's fine. It's close enough. It's yeah. like, but it's like, yeah, it's really like, it's it makes it sound like the Gilmore Girls. Like it's a oh. totally different theme. It makes it sound like all you know, very light girl power. Like we're all gonna braid our hair and babysit somebody. <laughs> like, and it's totally totally different. Like mm. it's weird. But apparently, uh, near as we can tell, mm. uh. It was that music was created by Warner Brothers uh, specifically for the DVD. Okay. It's never been officially released, and no one knows who did it. Yeah, it's, on not, it's IMDb, not in the credits. On it's, IMDb, yeah. it's credited as dot dot dot. <laughs> not the word. It's just like an ellipsis. Yeah. Like they just don't know who did it. Mm. Nobody knows. If anyone knows. Who did? Who, who sang? Who performed? Who composed? Who yeah, wrote any of that? Yeah, it, it, who, I, I believe everyone seems to agree the song is called "Remedy." Mm. Uh, if anyone knows who did it, please contact us. Tweet us at B Movies Podcast. Email us B Movies Podcast all in word at gmail We need to solve this mystery because <laughs> we listened. I listened to that song like fourteen times on this DVD. Mm. I I just want to know who's. I, I tried to Shazam it. Shazam I tried doesn't sh- think it exists. I tried to Shazam it as well. It's like get closer to your TV. It's this weird. No, I'm mystery. still not getting it. Try again. I uh, saw this. I saw this thing on Huffington Post where they mm. tried to track down the actor who played the uh, ugly naked guy on Friends, who only mm. ever appeared like from the back in like one episode. Uh-huh. Uh, but it was constantly like this recurring gag that there was this ugly naked guy who lived in their 
their in their building. He was always naked, mm. uh, and they just they was we were gonna track down. We're gonna solve this mystery. Who is the ugly naked guy? This is my ugly naked guy. I want to find out who did remedy. I want to know who sang remedy. Who sang and or wrote remedy? Mm. I really want to know. It's really yeah, important it's, to it's, me. It's a real. It's a it's a mystery. And it's a there's there, well, I mean, there's some facts that the internet just doesn't care about, and this is this is a mystery that nobody's gonna solve. It's a mystery I care about. Damn but uh, I have two final questions about sure. uh, Birds of Prey. Now, Birds of Prey is an all female cast. It deals with female concerns, and um, uh, these are intri- mostly female cast. Mo- mostly Shimar Moore is, the, is but, uh, the only main character who appears in the credits. Like they're that important. Who isn't well, and, female and, is Shimar Moore and Ian Abercrombie, but he's a supporting character. And Wade, uh, he's also a supporting character. But uh, it's about uh, females concerns uh mm-hmm. huntress is clearly being staged as a sort of badass neo-feminist hero yeah is it a feminist series i would argue that it is certainly not anti-feminist and mm. i think it's certainly in its construct it's trying to be feminist i admire that this show has maybe not a nuanced idea of feminism but it's certainly an inclusive one mm. where you don't have to be where, where the huntress is not just a badass she is very proud of her femininity. Yeah, She's very, was, very fashion. You said you yeah. was fashion forward. She's concerned about looking good, but that doesn't make her uh, weak. Mm. She doesn't define herself by her relationships to men. She just likes men. That's mm. her thing. That's her sexuality, uh, and she owns it. I yeah, think it's pretty cool. I was going to say it is a very feminist series yeah. uh, for for those very reasons. Um, there, the way feminism was shaped in the late 90s and early 2000s was a little bit uh, more, uh, we can have everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can be tough and mean and violent like boys are always are in these media, but we can also maintain our femininity. We can be uh, mm-hmm. women who are interested in the things that girls are traditionally interested mm-hmm. in, like clothes and boys. Well, we can, and, think, and we can have, we can be tough without being emotionally closed off. Right. And so practically the, every episode of Birds of Prey ends with a serious heart to heart on their balcony. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love that. That's, that's sort of the structure of the show. That's yeah. the epilogue always takes place in the same location. Uh, but yeah, I, I like that. It's not, not terribly complex. The no. characters aren't, terribly complex but uh i i do like that version this version of feminism the way that that, that is that is presented in this show i think a young girl seeing this show could take a lot a good deal of inspiration from a character like huntress i think it's mostly very positive um, yeah um my other question about this show and this speaks more to sort of television trends in general um this is an episodic tv series Mm-hmm. Each episode is about a different villain. The drama closes off. We pick up the next week, and it's a different story. It's very much following um, the motif of Smallville, which was already a hit at the time. Okay. Um, this came out in 2002 and 2003, mm-hmm. and by then, TV was starting to mutate into something much different. Uh, a lot of TV series, it started on cable, like high-budget uh, cable TV series started yeah. to take uh, risks with stuff like The Sopranos. And uh, TV switched from being an episodic medium into being something much more epically grand. Uh, story, like Stories were all now... Uh, one story over the course of an entire season. Yeah. Uh, it became to essentially I, become a lot more like, so, strangely enough, as soap operas began to die in the daytime, mm-hmm. they just, that structure began to move into nighttime programming. Well, it's also, it's I, uh, I think it's 24, if you wanted to point to a particular show okay. that really popularized it. 24, a mostly great TV series. The last couple of seasons weren't very good, but mm. mostly it kicked ass. 
was all took place over 24 hours. Each one hour long mm-hmm. episode took place over one hour, supposedly yeah, in real and, time. And, and that was sort of its gimmick. Yeah. yeah. But what was cool about it is that you could watch it all. Like if you mm-hmm. got the DVDs, you could watch the whole thing and it felt like really complete. Yeah. And that was novel. And that was something you couldn't do. You know, buying VHS of TV shows, it was kind of rare. They were expensive, well, and you, then they started. You couldn't. You couldn't I think it, it was the technology. You couldn't mm. fit that much uh, time onto at least a high quality VHS. Yes, a high quality VHS tape could carry maybe two and a half hours of material. Yeah, uh, it, it, a crappy you, quality VHS could carry maybe six. But you stu- lose studios, so much quality. Studios didn't never do, do that. that. That's just something yeah. you did at home. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I'm, so I'm I think wondering that when, environment changed, yeah. and I think people were starting to consume TV all at once. Much greater blocks. And yeah. as a result, the episodic nature of it... See, the episodic nature... Oh, the other difference is DVRs. That's true, yeah. Um, we start start, TiVo was starting to come into existence, and you know, a, an episodic show made a lot of sense if you never knew if you were going to be able to see every episode. Right. You know, it just you come on, Birds of Prey is on, awesome. I missed last week, I probably didn't miss much. Oh, there you go. We're still at status yeah. quo. If yeah. I miss if I miss something, I miss like one. Oh, Dinah's mom died. Well, we'll deal with the repercussions in this episode, and mm-hmm. I got the gist of it. Uh-huh. Bam. Um, but yeah, DVRs also completely changed that because you could save an entire series and you can catch up all at once, and you didn't. You know, you would actually pay attention to through lines, mm-hmm. and some, that's sometimes that's something uh, Birds of Prey sometimes is okay about, and sometimes it's not. Um, well, I, it's, I like it's that during they, a transitional period. Is my yeah, point? Exactly. Uh, I. Since as somebody who grew up watching uh, episodic TV, yeah, I actually appreciate the way they can have the overarching lines, but still have each episode be its sort of contained unit. Yeah, and uh, that's, that's something Buffy the Vampire Slayer did really. It, well. It's also something I really miss yeah. because now every TV show that comes out is overwhelmingly threatening because I can't just watch <laughs> a single episode; I have to watch twenty six in a row to really get the gist of the show. Well, and I don't, can't, I can't commit to that. Well, what you can't do is you, it's harder to come into a show halfway through. Yeah, yeah you can't like you have to start from the beginning yeah. and catch Even up. Even in episodic shows like Supergirl or The Flash, for example, Mm -hmm. to continue the superhero motif, they're really, really good shows. Uh, But the ongoing story arcs are such that you probably should watch it from the beginning, Mm. even though most of the episodes are Monster of the Week. There was one show that I thought did it very well, and that was Burn Notice. If you ever saw Burn Notice. uh, I know you're a big fan of that one, though. I I did like Burn Notice a lot about a a spy who was blacklisted and... uh, he had to there was a case of the week all he could do is use his skills to help people out and then at the end in like an epi- uh, an epilogue of every episode that's when they did the big story arc thing so we got both in that series um yeah, yeah, Birds of Prey, I think, was a little bit awkward about it because it is in this transitional period, but it was right at the beginning, so it was mm-hmm. still clearly an episodic show, but this yeah. was right before it was about to change, so anybody coming to this from a modern eye is going to see something really dated, something really, oh, che- yeah. something really oh, cheesy and cheap. They're not going to understand this structure anymore. We, we moved really far past this, and I think every yeah. single time they evoke and an attempt at some sort of visual continuity with previous live-action Batman stories. Mm. Anytime they try to evoke the Tim Burton or Joel Schumacher movies, it looks so terrible. <laughs> yeah, it looks it really, really, really bad. Um, yeah, that's that. That is this show is very much of its time. It is from mm. a transitional period. Uh, sometimes the writing is pretty decent. Sometimes the writing is. <laughs> Some of the dialogue on this show. I found the antidote to your touch. Uh, 
can we get a rewrite on that? That's that's not a great line. That's kind of awkward just, to just, say. Just sell it. Just sell it. So, okay, oh, I'll no. do what I can. Um, yeah, the action is kind of hit or miss. Sometimes it's kind of cool. Sometimes it doesn't look very good at all. There's this thing that not that shows can't get away with very much anymore where they reuse the same CG shots over and over again. They yeah, CG yeah, these. Yeah. There's like a handful of shots. They only have like two or three. Is it the, 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 of the hun- pupil thing? No, there's that. But I'm thinking of, uh, of Huntress jumping on rooftops. Oh, which that's is really some, bad looking. Yeah, yeah. It, it looks... Because they use the CGI model instead of an actor or a yeah. stunt person. So she's like jumping on a rooftop, then she does a flip onto another rooftop. They only did like two or three of those, and they use them in almost every episode, so you can really tell. Uh, um, so, yeah. Um, but uh, let's let's talk about it real fast. If the show had lasted 100 episodes, uh-huh. uh, where would you like to have seen it go? Um, well, here's the thing. I think 100 episodes would have been fine. <laughs> Just 100 Stop there. <laughs> 101 uh, is ridiculous. No, 101 is one too many. Uh, I think, see, the, si- since it was in this transitional period, it would have had to start changing the structure of the show until it was more multi- multi-part episodes mm-hmm. uh, or maybe one season that was all about you know, like different characters or they bring back old characters. Yeah. So either you have to continue with the episodic nature of it, but every season you have a new mastermind. So in season two, it's not Harley Quinn anymore. It's false face or what is some other obscure <laughs> Batman villain. Uh, yeah. And then I don't think that's a real somebody, villain. False uh, face. False face. Yeah. That's a real one. In 66 series, a couple episodes. Okay. Um, I think that was just Clayface, but they changed his name. No, I think, I think false face is from like the old world, like the thirties era of Batman. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a real, real 40s, character. But all right. Yeah, it's fine. Um, yeah, uh, but I I that. think I think uh, continuing the series too long, you would have lost what the ultimate premise of the show is. But it would have gone on long enough to maybe get yeah. See, see, that's my thing. If you're going to look at this as a generational story, mm. these people can't be superheroes for too long without becoming the new establishment. Mm. Um, what I would have liked and when to they, seen, and when they become the new establishment, the drama changes and the show becomes less interesting. Well, potentially, but I think there's ways around that. I think. What I would have liked to have seen was I really would have liked uh, for Birds of Prey to get more involved in the legacy of old Gotham, mm-hmm. the legacy of the old Batman villains, their kids, their protégés. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there, and there's a legacy of that too. There's uh, Duella Dent, uh, the, the Harvey Dent's daughter, who became sort of like a heroic Joker, okay. uh, who was also from Earth Two, like the original Huntress. There's there's stuff you could have done there. It could have been really really interesting, and I would have liked to have seen. Where they all turned out, how they're all dealing with the legacy of their very famous or infamous parents, um, and maybe building up their own legacy and their own myth. And then once they become the institution, who are they inspiring? Okay. Maybe you could have like younger well, that's, heroes. That's like, the way you know? that, I think that's the way the series ends. Like the final like a new the, team. The final season is about how a, yet a new generation of young women are yeah. also taking up the mantle. But that's the last season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Also, oh, is, well, it's yeah. There's like a little sister character that shows up well, at one point. There's a little and, sister yeah. character, but then the whole idea of Buffy the Vampire Slayer was I, that there's only for our fast. listeners. I'm not too familiar with Buffy the Vampire. Slayer. I'll, I'll, make, I'll make it real fast. The idea was that there was only one Slayer who is you know destined yeah. to save the world. From the vampires there can be and only they one. and they had the argument 
why only one? Why are you so afraid of women having power? So uh, towards the end of that series, more women got the power. That, oh, was, right. that was a cool idea. It was a, but who, they, who are they addressing? The person who gives Slayer powers? Th- there was a like a there was a thing that it made sense. Okay, I, I could go into detail, but we're not talking about yeah, Buffy the, the Vampire Slayer, yeah. so it's fine. Uh, it made sense, mm-hmm. um, and it was and it was a good ending. And uh, I think Birds of Prey could do that. And I think looking at the way that people are inspired. Uh, by people and the sacrifices that they make and the choices that they make to do the right thing and sometimes the wrong thing is where the show kind of lived and breathed. So every time they tried to do something that's entirely new, mm. um, it fell really flat for me. Like the whole like <laughs> the water guy episode sucked. Uh, the episode with was, the baby who grew up too out. fast sucked. Um, but whenever they dealt with legacy, it was halfway decent. Right. It, it was a little so, cheesy for my tastes, but I liked it. Okay. So the ultimate question was it canceled too soon? I I wasn't the biggest fan, I think, but I think it's hard to watch it now without looking at the superhero shows that we got later, which kind of refined the formula a little bit better, mm-hmm. that, like, figured out what worked and what didn't. Birds of Prey was really right in the middle. There are things about it that worked really well. It's there are, things, it, yeah, it's there are things about it that were, that were really clumsy. Um, I would have liked to have seen it last long enough to hopefully find its footing, but yeah. if it hadn't figured itself out by the end of season two, I probably would have canceled uh, yeah. it. Then. Um, I, I, I agree. Uh, yeah. I, it, it, it is kind of caught in limbo in a lot of ways. Um, I think it should have lasted maybe a t- like three seasons tops. Mm. This is not something that should have gone on for a show that's all about legacy. It should not have had its own <laughs> legacy. Uh, it, it should have, because it, it only had, I think enough creative energy to really get it so far. Yeah. And uh, once they started to stretch, it would have, it would have fallen apart. So I think around three seasons would have been great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it was canceled too soon, but not far too soon. There's uh, been a lot of talk about rebooting I, it. Well, what I'd like to see is more of Ashley Scott. I don't know anything she's done since then. I haven't seen her in any movies or she, TV she shows. Did, um, she's, she never got to be a huge star, which is a shame. Oh. She's quite good in this. And in fact, it's weird. Um, the poster for Underworld, which came out like a year later, uh-huh. uh, is basically just the same glamour shot of Ashley Scott in Birds of Prey. Like uh, it's, it's eerily the same. Like it's like the almost same pose. Yeah. The same pose. I think it's the same gargoyle. Like it's the same outfit. Like it's almost like it's almost a shameless ripoff. I'm sure someone saw Birds of Prey and's like, we need to rip this off. It's great. Um, I don't know if that's true, but it looks like it. Um, she's got a she's got a lot of personality. Um, I think she's got some unfortunate bangs once in a while. But what are you gonna do? Uh, she's uh, but she's fine, honestly. Dina Meyer is a car- is an actress who I've always been a big fan of. I always like yeah, seeing her more things, and I think this was kind of one of those rare moments when she really got to shine. Um, she didn't always, she, she had the techno babble dialogue and most of it didn't even make any sense in its own right. She, she, um, but she was very good about trying to sell it as seriously as she could. She did the best she could, but whenever she got to be kind of badass and like deal with genuine emotions, she was great. Yeah. Um, Ian Abercrombie was a perfectly solid, uh, uh, Alfred not asked yeah. to do a lot, but he was, he was good. Um, Rachel Carson, yeah. Rachel Scarston. Uh, she, she's not, frankly, she's not that great. She's, um, she's, she's the weak link in the cast. Now she's actually gone, on to quite a bit of success mm-hmm. uh, on the TV show Rain and Lost Girl. Um, I The only other time I've seen her after this was in an episode of The Transporter, which was like 10 years later and she was still playing a, t- a teenager. So oh, poor, God, poor thing. My, my, no, I wish I had her skin. My God. <laughs> um, but uh, it, she, like, she had a rough character because I feel like they couldn't decide how much of a whiny teenager she was supposed to be, how much of a total badass she was supposed to be. Yeah, how in control she really was. How and, they were, and even how I'm supposed to visualize her, like, when is she, like, is she supposed mm-hmm. to look super young? Is she trying to look older? 
And I appreciate that part of that is a high school character trying to figure out her identity. But when you've you've got a show mm-hmm. and you only have so much real estate, you have to define her a little more clearly. And they had trouble. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm sympathetic, but she's kind of the weak link in the main cast. I do want to say uh, that our first live action Harley Quinn ever, or I guess our second, if you have the unaired pilot, uh, Mia Sarah. Mm. Having so much fun on this show. I love her. I've always <laughs> loved her. I think she's great. She, and she, she, she's fine in Ferris Bueller. Uh, I don't know about Legends. I like. Uh, have you seen the director's cut of Legend? I have. It sucks as bad as the no, other No, I love Legend. Yeah. Fuck you. All right. Uh, <laughs> Legend, I, Legend, I lo- Legend's not good. Man. I like Legend a lot, but that's <laughs> Tim, fine. Tim Curry's fun to watch, but that's Tim not Curry's a good great movie. Legend. No, I, I think you're wrong about yeah. Legend. That's fine. Um, but she is honestly, she's really charismatic. Mm. She's she's villainous without, but she knows how to tone it down when she needs to. Yeah. Um, and she's, she's great. Honestly, well, I she, think she's really, really good. She's having a ball. She chews a lot yeah. of scenery, and it's, and she's actually yeah, really fun to watch. Yeah. So I liked her a lot. Shemar Moore is fine. He's, he, he's eye candy. He doesn't have enough to do. Every time they try to give him something to do, he's never really the focus yeah. of the episode anyway. You, you know who you do? You get for the the reboot. Mm. You get Michael Ely for that role. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. You, you, you need oh. a super handsome dude. You got Michael. Yeah, Ely. you do. Oh my! We'll be talking about all those two minutes. Some he's point. Dreaming. Yeah, we we have an. In fact, actually, that's a good segue uh, because uh, next time I cancel too soon, mm. we're gonna do the first and what will end up being probably a long series of episodes <laughs> we do about TV shows in which a human cop teams up with a robot. Mm. Our first, our first time we're gonna take a crack at that is for the is for the series Man M A N N. And machine <laughs> about a cop named Man who teams up with a sexy robot played by, by Yancey, Yancey Butler. Butler. Yep. Oh, we there, are excited to talk about Man and Machine. There, as, as it turns out, there are a good deal of one season wonder TV shows yep. about a human cop and a robot partner. Uh, We're going to try to get to all of them. There's almost human as well, but Holmes there's, and Yo-Yo. There's a huge number of those. There's like probably about twenty series cop, with that same premise. Cop with weird partner is just one of the great go-to concepts in TV history. Yeah, yeah. and we've got quite a few of those uh, but uh, we're gonna start with one you haven't heard of we're gonna do, we're gonna not. we're gonna do man and machine yeah. uh because it's that that kind of crap is what's most interesting yeah. to us i will post uh, as soon as this episode goes live i will post uh the opening title intro for man and machine on our twitter and facebook pages uh and you oh my god you guys you gotta see this shit <laughs> oh my god. Um, i'm not sure if yeah. uh if our listeners will have access to this but, i think uh, i think some of it's on youtube yeah, right. um it's 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 pretty great but um, if, if you can track this down, then go ahead and watch it so you can keep up with the show, and we'll be back yeah. in two weeks Original talking all about... Original music by Mark Mothersbaugh. Hey, nice. Yeah. It's a, a job he did on the side there. Yeah. Um, but, so uh, yeah, uh, in the meantime, uh, if you have any questions about the show or comments on uh, Birds of Prey, we'd love to hear from you. We're still using our uh, movies podcast email, so write into us at bmoviespodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we can see what you have and make some suggestions. This shows you'd like to hear us talk yes, about. We have literally over 300 suggestions. Uh, but we're listening but, to them all. But so, we're listening yeah. to them all. Obviously, this is a biweekly show, so it's going to take us a while to get to them. Mm. Uh, but, you know, feel free to, to send us suggestions. We love hearing about shows we never heard about. Uh, but we also like knowing, um, even if it's like, oh, everyone's requested this show. 
request it, the more requests we get, the sooner we'll get to it. Hence our episode on Birds of Prey. Yeah, we're trying not to make this show too top-heavy. We're not trying not to do all, like, the super famous ones right at the beginning Mm. and then do all of our weird esoteric ones later so (laughs) some people lose interest. We're trying to mix it up a bit. We'll do, like, an old weird one Mm. and then a new kind of popular one and an old weird one and so on and so forth. We'll get to Police Squad eventually. Yeah, (laughs) Police Squad. We'll get to Police Squad. Eventually we'll get to Freaks and Geeks. Mm. We'll we'll get to them. (laughs) But for now, man. Man and Machine is where it's at. <laughs> so, everybody, thank you very, very much for listening to Cancel Too Soon. We'll be back in two weeks. And after these messages, we'll be right back. <laughs>